extremely saturated creator industry, it's important that we're doing our very best to avoid the influencer red flags that might inhibit our growth or our ability to work with brands, right? We want to ensure that we're always making a good impression and putting our best foot forward. But for many creators who are just getting started, knowing exactly how to act and what not to do comes with a lot of trial and error. But what if you knew about those red flags by learning through someone else's mistakes and experiences? That's exactly what we're here to do with you today. I'm Kristen Busquette, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Audrey Cash and Tara Holder, the faces behind TJ Creative Agency and the Social Sessions podcast. This Austin-based dynamic duo focuses on helping businesses grow their social media platforms and educate content creators. With about 13 years of experience in social media between the two of them, it's safe to say that they've seen their fair share of red flags when working with content creators for their agency. Today, we're each sharing some of the top red flags that we highly suggest trying to avoid when trying to build your brand and monetize as a creator. We're giving you the scoop on all the red flags to avoid. This, my biz BFFs, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 43 of Social Scoop. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. And I'm so excited that I actually want to get on a one-on-one call with you so that we can talk about what you're struggling with, what the things that you really want to learn are, and how I can help you actually achieve those goals. So in our membership community, which is over 50 creators strong, we are giving away free 15-minute intro calls with all of our new members. Aside from that, you actually get so many different things that you need as a creator as part of our monthly membership. So we have templates, ebooks, all different types of resources that get refreshed multiple times per month. We do exclusive podcast episodes, live Q&A office hours with the whole group. So you get to talk with all different creators, get all your questions answered and kind of bounce experiences and ideas off of other creators. We give you the weekly Reels trending sounds every week. We also have this amazing community too. So you can ask questions. You can post different situations that you've been in and get feedback from other people. The community is really strong here in our membership. So that is one of my favorite parts. But we also have our collaborative brand email database. So if you're getting ready to pitch to brands, we have this entire database with over 100 different brands that has the contact information. So you can get right into sending them your pitch and actually getting started to build a relationship with them. On top of that, you also have access to me whenever you need it. So if you've ever been listening to one of the podcasts or you've had a situation maybe in your own email that you were like, oh man, like I wonder how that would work or how do I handle this situation? you have access as a member of our private community to send me a DM on our membership platform with any questions that you have for me to answer. So I am there to hold your hand the whole way through. So I hope to see some of you guys there. Now let's dive into this week's news. As always, we've got a lot going on, mostly with Instagram, because you know, they love to mess around with everything on this app. First of all, Instagram is working on the ability to create reels that are visible only to our close friends. So when you go to post your reel, you'll be met with the option of sharing the content to everyone as we usually do, or just to close friends. 
Close friends can also see each other's usernames when they like or comment on your reel. If again, this is part of the reel that you're just sharing to your close friends. Not sure when I would really ever use this because I'm pretty sure that's what we use stories for. But I don't know. I guess if you need it, there you go. (laughs) We talked about this a few weeks ago, but Instagram is working on a communities platform, which almost seems to be similar to like a Facebook group. And they've actually renamed it to group profiles as of right now. Again, it's still in testing. It's still being built. So this could totally change. But Instagram is continuing to work on their group profiles feature. So these groups can be public or private. As a member of a group, you can share posts and stories, which that's new, directly to the group profile instead of just to your personal profile. Anyone can see what you share in a public group, which that makes sense. And also, if it's private, any members who are in that group can see what you share there. And then admins can also delete the group profile or anything a member shares to it. So it sounds to me that it's going to be really similar to a Facebook group. Honestly, I have no idea still where this whole group platform is going to live on Instagram. And I don't really know anything about, you know, like the logistics or the the layout of it. But this is the information that we have so far. I think Facebook groups are one of the few things holding Facebook together. So I'm sure that, you know, Meta as a whole is looking at that and saying, oh, we should do the same thing on Instagram and maybe we can save it. (laughs) So we'll see if that works. But honestly, I really love any opportunity to be able to like get into a group with other people who have similar interests. So I'm actually really excited for this one. I just hope that it's like built well so that it doesn't just annoy us like many other things. (laughs) Instagram is also working on the ability to browse the history of posts that you've seen in the feed. So this happens to me on TikTok all the time. I was so happy when they came out with this feature where you've seen a video and then you're like, oh man, I, I have to go find that video that I sh- that I just saw the other day and you can never find it again. But TikTok came out with that browsing history. So Instagram is working on the ability to do the same thing. So up in that top left-hand corner, in the space where you would be able to click and find your following or your favorites feed, you will also be able to see browsing history once this comes out and you'll be able to click there and see everything that you have browsed um, in in the past. I don't know how far in the past, but I guess we'll find out. Also, side note, I kind of just thought about this as I was saying this. Remember when we were all like, yeah, we want a chronological feed and then Instagram gave us a chronological feed and now none of us look at it? (laughs) Like, please tell me I'm not alone in that. I never, ever, ever go onto my following or my favorites feed. I don't. I really don't. Maybe I'm alone in that, but actually I'd be really curious to know. Can you send me a DM and let me know if I am the only one that doesn't use that? And maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I should totally start utilizing it. So this is the last piece of Instagram news and it's going to ruffle some feathers. I, It's funny, like when I'm going through and finding the news, I like to read the comments that other people leave on these like little tweets of different things that the platforms are working on because it's funny to see sometimes what the public has to say about these updates. This was by far the most like angry, just like unbelievably like hands up in the air about this feature that they're working on. People were like really throwing a fit in the comments. So Instagram is working on what they're calling IG Candid Challenges. This is going to sound probably very familiar. This feature (laughs) 
is very clearly inspired by the Be Real app, which I know one person who's using. That's it. But also I've heard a lot that it's building very, very quickly. I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like it's for me personally. But if you're using it, and again, I'm missing out, like, please let me know. Anyway, at different times during the day, Instagram will be sending you a notification to capture and share a photo in two minutes. I see so many issues with this, but let me hold on. Let me finish first. So you can only use the dual camera tool, basically where it shoots a photo through the both the front and the back camera at the same time. Again, very similar to the Be Real app where it shows your face and shows like your back camera of what you're doing. Okay, so my issues with this. My first issue is that they're directly, literally trying to copy and paste another app, which again is not something that's surprising from Instagram by any means. But I just don't think this is going to be something that saves Instagram. Like, they know what we want from them. Can they please just do that? This is not what we want from them. If we wanted it, we would go to be real. (laughs) So again, we're just like straying further away from I feel like what we all really want from Instagram, which is honestly just annoying at this point. But the other issue is that you want me to take a photo and share it to my feed in two minutes. I'm sorry, but I care about the integrity of my feed way too much to mess it up with just like photos that I've like, hurry up and, you know, take it real quick wherever I am. Okay. I'm still one of those people who very much appreciates a curated feed. I know that's very highly debated, but as someone who's very visual, I like my feed to look a certain way. This would never fly with me. I couldn't use it. I couldn't use it. If it's shared as a story, sure. But like, if I'm sharing any sort of photo in two minutes to my feed, you can count me out. Thank you so much. (laughs) You guys let me know your thoughts on that one because I feel like it again could be very highly debated. Lastly, TikTok is testing a new nearby content feed. This one I think is pretty cool. So as it sounds, TikTok's nearby feed is going to display content posted by users in your current location. It could be helpful, obviously, if you're looking for things to do, you know, recommendations, for example, for a restaurant or a hiking trail. This would be really great to be able to just look, oh, what's going on today? Like, let me look in the nearby feed. So I really love this idea. And it's basically just another tab at the top where we have like our FYP, we have our following feed, and then we or our friends feed, whatever it's called now. And then there would be another one that's nearby. I actually kind of love this. I think this would be great because I use TikTok many times to find things to do or places to eat. So this just makes it a lot easier. I think for local businesses, this is going to be huge. So if you're listening and you're a local business, maybe this is your time to get on TikTok and start tagging your business like crazy. Also, I'm just going to mention it really quickly because I'm not going to make a big thing out of this. We heard earlier this week that Instagram basically like changed in the settings on the iPhone. I think it was Android as well, that when you go in, um, it basically in your location settings on iPhone, on Instagram in the settings... That's very confusing. I hope you know what I mean. You go into your iPhone, you click it settings, you go into Instagram, and then in Instagram settings in your iPhone, there you would be able to find that your location services were on to show your like approximate location. And so I'm sure you saw this. The entire internet had a panic attack and was very upset because it basically was like giving away your exact location to anyone and anyone who wanted to see it 
Or at least that's what we thought, right? So everyone went in and turned it off. (laughs) Like this was like a huge thing, right? But I did see that Instagram released a statement saying that they do not share that information with anyone. It is literally just for their own usage. And I'm sure this is for location tagging purposes or even um, maybe marketing and advertising purposes. But this isn't necessarily like you know, Joe Schmo who follows me is not going to be able to click on and see where I am at an exact time, which I appreciate. Thank you. (laughs) Like, please don't give that information out. Overall, I just wanted to mention it because yes, it happened. But Instagram did release a statement saying that you're still safe, according to them. So do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. (laughs) Now you guys know that I am a huge, huge planner. I talk about productivity a lot. I wanted to let you know that we actually in our Etsy shop very recently released our content creator Notion template bundle. Now, all of these templates are also available for free to our monthly members. But if you're not a monthly member and you're not interested in being one, but you want all of these templates that you can start getting organized, they are available as a bundle in our Etsy shop. So we have a partnerships tracker, an invoice tracker, a to pitch to list tracker, potential partnerships tracker, and content ideas tracker. All this comes in a bundle for under 20 bucks. So if you are a Notion person or you're looking to get your business a little bit more organized, this is the bundle for you. So you can check it out in our Etsy shop. We'll leave the link in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's talk about some of these red flags. And actually, this bundle might help you solve some of these red flags if you are doing them. So let's get into it. We have such an exciting episode for all of you creators listening today because we're talking all about the red flags that we have seen being in this creative industry. And honestly, I made a list of four, the girls made a list of four, and I feel like we probably could have thought of honestly a lot more. (laughs) There are so many red flags, so many of them. So today I have with me Audrey and Tara of TJ Creative Agency. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm excited for you to meet them. I'm Tara, TJ, Tara, Jade. We have a social media management content creation agency in Austin, Texas. It's been growing rapidly. Audrey here does a lot of the content creation on the business side of things as far as educating um, influencers, businesses, all those coaching tips she offers on our TikTok and Reels. And I kind of am always with clients. So we have a good insight, both of us. I love that. There's kind of like two different prongs of the business is kind of how it's become. We've Obviously, we have our clients, but we've also kind of merged into an educational space where we are educating like influencers and other social media managers a lot through our own social platform. So that's kind of where I come into play. It's like my face is all over the TikTok. So I'm the one making the TikToks, making the Instagrams. Yeah. Everything like that. Our newsletter, our... Oh, we have a podcast too, which kind of incorporates yeah, into the... a lot of things for the Yeah. Agency. That kind of incorporates into the educational space. I love that because I mean, it it honestly all works together, you know, so like it's really awesome that you're even putting out that educational content, even for your clients, because I feel like a lot of the times the clients don't really understand the influencer industry just as much as sometimes influencers don't. Yeah. So it's very mutually beneficial for everyone. Yeah. And we definitely understand that like not everybody, especially if you have a small business, not everybody has it in the budget to hire an agency to do their socials. And 
So if we can teach them even a little bit, even if they don't have enough time to put that much energy into it, at least they know the kind of do this, do this. If you only have a little bit amount of time, like this is what you should be working on. So hopefully it benefits those people. So when they do get a budget, they can hire someone. But for now, they can at least still utilize social media for marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's such an important thing, too, because, again, I there are just so many small businesses, especially since COVID, when, you know, in 2020, everyone kind of started their own business. I think it's so important to have that information out there because I remember when I was getting started in this whole influencer industry, like I didn't have any sort of guidebook. <laughs> there was yeah, like literally yeah. no information out there. And so I was just like, well, we're going to try this and see what happens. But it probably won't work. And most of the time it didn't. <laughs> it's really the wild west out there, especially for like influencers. Like now it there's is. more information for sure. But I can imagine if you started even four years ago, five years ago, you would be like, how, like, what should my rates be? Like, what kind of content am I supposed to? Am I, are they asking too much of me? Am I asking right. too much? Like no one, I feel like it was kind of taboo. There was a lot of making Yeah, up. and it, it was like people weren't talking about it, especially the financial side of it. No one was talking about it. So nobody knew what to do. Yeah, exactly. It's it literally, there's no guidebook. We are all going into it blind. <laughs> We're yeah, just learning basically. as we go. Basically. So I want to dive into these red flags because they're honestly all so, so helpful. And maybe some things that creators really aren't even necessarily thinking about, or maybe they've thought about it, but they didn't really realize it was as much of maybe an issue as it is. So do you guys want to want to start with one of yours? So the first one that we had was poor email etiquette. So kind of it's just, it's pretty simple where if you're doing any sort of influencing or content creation, it's a job at the end of the day. Someone is paying you to create something for their business. So the least you can do is act professional over email, right? Get back in a timely manner. Don't treat it like you're texting your friends because you'd be surprised right. how many influencers will be like, hey, babe, or like they take four days to respond. Just really simple things. Just email as if it's your job. Yeah. I mean, it is your job, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's honestly so crazy. So before I, basically when I was making the transition from my old business, I left that business and I was getting into being a full-time creator. I took on some social media clients where I was doing campaign management for brands. And so I was on the other side of it for a while. And as someone who like, I'm a very type A, you know, control freak, I'm organized, like, I expected everyone to be as type A as I was. And honestly, I was so floored to see that so many people in this industry really do not treat the whole email process as any sort of like professional conversation. Like, yeah, I would have people all the time, like I would be asking for, you know, some information from them. And I'd give them like a checklist of things that I needed. And they would give me like, I don't know, one or two of the things on the checklist, and then just decide they didn't, I guess, want to give me the rest. And then yeah, you have to go track those people down. And even with like invoices and things like that, you know, like those things make such a big difference when you can send your screenshots of your analytics on time. And when you send your invoice on time, like if you can make it easy for a brand to not have to track you down for stuff, I think it makes it such a more enjoyable experience for them to actually want to work with you again. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just, 
the professional thing to do, quite honestly. And again, you're, it's a first impression at the end of the day. Like, yeah, they've probably seen your content or maybe they haven't. Maybe you're just on a list that someone else put together. Like you don't, you don't know, but you're the way that you're answering these emails and responding to people. Like you said, it's a first impression. And if they didn't enjoy that, if you were not good with your emails, if you weren't professional in the way that you carried yourself, they probably aren't going to want to work with you again. Yeah. There's enough creators out there that they can find good content from someone who's going to make the the conversation and the, you know, exchange of logistics and, and all of that information. They're going to find someone who makes that a lot more easy. Exactly. Yeah. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a first impression of what they're going to be like to work with in the future. As far as like replying in a timely manner, all that stuff is, I would say, at the top of my yeah. list when trying to find a good influencer to collaborate with a business. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, like a lot of the brands, I just talked about this in another episode, but like a lot of the brands that I work with and have long-term relationships with, the first thing they'll say after we finish our partnership is, wow, you're so easy to work with. Because again, like I make that process as seamless as possible and as professional as possible. And again, like I think because people on the other side of being an influencer, like all of these campaign managers and brands, they are talking to so many people and coordinating so many things that, again, if you can make it easy for them, they're like, yes, I love this girl. Like she makes my life easier. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So yeah, I love that one. I think that's honestly number one, like very, very important. So I'm glad we went over that first. So my first one was when creators spend too much time pitching. This is kind of like, something that I think it might even be like an unpopular opinion because it's crazy. Like we see so much information out there about like, oh, you have to send this many pitches every week or every month or, you know, like you have to pitch to get jobs. And what I've realized is that pitching can be such a tedious process that doesn't always get you a really great you don't really get a lot out of it. Sometimes, you know, you might be sending out 20 pitches, and it takes you three, four hours, maybe even a full day to send out all of those pitches, and you could get two responses. Yeah. So I personally feel like pitching can be kind of a waste of time sometimes. And I think creators could spend their time doing other things that maybe could be more beneficial. I totally agree. And I think and get, like you said, instead of spending so much time, if you have the free time and yeah. you want to pitch, or it's like a dream brand, or yeah. you heard that they're just accepting micro-influencers, whatever, whatever the situation, like every now and again, but I think I totally agree with you. If you're setting aside a certain amount of time every week to pitch to brands, maybe instead of doing that, set a certain amount of time to like level up your content, try something exactly. new. You know what I mean? I think that time is better utilized on your content so that those brands can find you. Yeah, yeah, something you did talked about the other day, Audrey, was how community engagement with the brands would probably be more beneficial than sending an email, but like getting on their page and really interacting with some of their content to get you noticed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Audrey said she had done that in the past as far as like building relationships with influencers, but it could go reverse both ways, right? That's so true. Yeah, we actually put together this masterclass. I call it the anti-pitch method. And that's pretty much what it's based on. It's not, it's telling you like, don't sit and, you know, at your computer and 
copy and paste the same pitch while, you know, and change two sentences and send it to a ton of brands. Instead, spend that time trying to build the connections with the actual brands and even the people at the brands, you know? So like if you can go on mm-hmm. LinkedIn and and find who the people are that are the ones choosing influencers for a lot of these brands, I think it would be more worth your time to go like, you know, comment on some of their stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah, do your research, find Mm -hmm. out what new products these brands are coming out with, ask to get on a call to hear more about what they're working on versus just like sending these cold pitches with the same subject lines and the same copy and pasted template that literally everyone is sending. There's like only so much you can do there to set yourself apart. Totally agree. One we don't think about. Those are the best kind. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so what was your second one? Oh, it's a big one. It's um, entitled influencers asking for extra product or services, trying to get extra services for free once they've agreed. We've made an agreement on already what they get. So uh, yeah, we see this a lot from a business side, influencers that come and actually have the audacity to ask for products from for their friends and family on top of their free product plus pay there's a lot of entitlement and it's just it's really frustrating this is one that absolutely drives me crazy and i think is probably like the root of a lot of the causes that we've that we are going to and maybe have already talked about like even in the email situation like if you have someone that's so entitled, they aren't going to take their email seriously because they're like, oh, they need me. You know what I mean? It's that kind of energy. And it drives me nuts. We work with a lot of service-based clients. So we're not necessarily sending out products all the time. Mm -hmm. It's more so, can you come in and do whatever service we're providing? Procedure or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is that we're, that our client offers. But yeah, it drives me crazy. The amount of influencers that are like, oh, like, can I bring my mom and can they also have the same procedure done? Excuse me. Is your mom an influencer? Excuse me, no. <laughs> yeah, it was like, is your mom giving us anything in return? Your mom can pay for the procedure. Yeah. We're not going to give that to her for free. Well, it's just like, if you look at it, like, from the other perspective of, like, when brands ask creators, oh, can you do all this extra work? And creators are like, hell no, how dare they ask me? And then for them to have the audacity to, like, so true. go back and, and do the same exact thing to the brand, like, just because they are the one with the product or the service doesn't make that okay. I don't know. I just can't. I can't even imagine yeah. <laughs> feeling like it would be okay to ask for something like that. It's so crazy that people will ask for it or like, and that's such a good point that you made. It's equivalent to if a brand was like, oh, I want you to do one Instagram post and then you sign a yeah. contract and then they're like, can you throw in four extra stories for yeah, me? Yeah, and you're like, and no. You're, yeah, you're like, I already signed the contract. No, I'm not right. doing that. Like, that's the same thing yeah. that you get irritated for. I think influencers need to go back and remember how their job was created and their job was created by honest sharing. Yeah. And like building relationships between brands that you actually liked and being able to like speak about it in a public place. And as much as it is a job and you do deserve to get paid for it because you are creating and you are giving them your ideas. And most of the time you're producing quality content for them. Like, remember that it's, it was grown. This was built on like sharing on collaboration. And sometimes the ones that influencers that we, that I love sometimes are the micro-influencers because they're not so jaded. They're so excited to be there. They're grateful for the opportunity that they even got something. And they're producing better quality content compared to somebody that's like, oh, I'm. Se- do you know who I am? Like, no, I don't actually. <laughs> but um, 
Well, that's what else is kind of wild, too, in, on that topic of do you know who I am? Like, no. there's What's wild is that there's people out there with millions of followers. I've never heard of them. Uh, Your friends same. have never heard of them. Same. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many people out there doing this now, which I think is great. At the end of the day, I think that's great. But there's less room to be entitled. Yeah, sure, you have 5 million followers, but there's 15 million people who don't know who you are. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Right, right. I mean, at the end of the day, like, this is a 50-50 partnership, no matter which way you look at it. You know, like, it has to be equally fair for both parties involved. So, like, you know, for for brands not asking creators for, like, an unreasonable ask, but then also for creators to remember, like, the brands are not hiring you just for fun to give you money. Like, they're hiring you so that they can make money and, and bring in new customers. Yeah. Exactly. So I have my second one here. And I don't know this one. Again, I think maybe somewhat of an unpopular opinion. With creators and niches, like every creator is like, oh, you know, do I need to have a niche? Do I need to have a niche? I feel like one of the biggest like problems that creators might run into is like they're not getting brand deals or they're not making moves in their business because they don't have a solid enough mission statement I guess we can call it a niche whatever but like they don't they're not well branded enough to the point where like you understand why they're creating content or like who they're creating content for so that it makes it really difficult for a brand coming in or like an agency like you guys coming in you don't really understand like is this the influencer for us because they're not giving you enough information on like who they are and basically like why they're creating this content yeah I agree with that. There's so much uh, conversation about niching down and whether or not it's important. But I think in that sense, especially if you're working with like product-based brands, as a company, as a brand, you want someone who aligns very well with you. So if you just have, if you're just a personality, right? I don't know what your values are as a person. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, they do have to be aligned for sure. And I think when we are looking, because we'll do influencer outreach on behalf of our clients or whatever. I mean, obviously we're searching for clients in a particular area. Yeah. And so you have to be showing that regularly. You have right. to be talking about it regularly. It wouldn't be very odd if you, for some reason, I feel like we try to fall into like lifestyle bloggers, mm-hmm. right? Like, cause they are kind of more of a broad thing. They can go across to all things, but depending on the product, and the products you want to represent, I think you need to create content based around those. I was going to say, sometimes I think when you think of like brand deals and influencers, you might think like people in general might think on a bigger scale where I always use Tide as an example, but I'm like, if I saw, (laughs) I don't know, Charlie D'Amelio do a deal with Tide to like laundry (laughs) detergent, like they don't really care about the niche, yeah, like, right? Act like they they're just doing their want, own laundry anyway. <laughs> yeah, they they just yeah. want like the hundreds of millions of people that right. follow her to. It's not so much about alignment, right? As it is like she doesn't really have anything like spotty on her record. She's a clean girl. That's it, right? You know what I mean? Like she's not like a hazard to work with to associate with. Yeah, and she has a lot of followers. Like that's what they're looking for. But if you're not on that level then you probably need to have some values right, in yeah. place because a company is going to be like, I don't know. I, I think of, of wellness stuff. If you have a vitamin yeah. company and you're going to try and 
you want someone who their values are like a healthy lifestyle and whatever. You don't want someone whose whole content is like them going out drinking every weekend or it it just has to align, especially if you're not on the mega influencer level, you need to have a way to let those businesses and let those brands know what you stand for. Right. And then that's going to, I think at the end of the day, that's actually going to help you get more brand deals. Right. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if you guys, for example, were working with like, you know, a nail salon that was like a five free, you know, clean nail salon, wouldn't it be so much easier for you to like find an influencer whose bio says like, you know, teaching you that clean beauty can still be fun or whatever. Like, I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It would be a no brainer for you to find someone like that and be like, she's perfect. Done. You know, like if she's in the demographic versus someone whose bio says something like, this is my online journal. (laughs) All right. What what do you want me to do with that? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this like, it all goes back to the question of like, when people, I get the question all the time of like, do I need a niche? And I'm like, I don't think you need one because again, like someone like Charlie D'Amelio or I mean, even micro influencers who like their personality is their brand. It's not like they're not getting brand deals. I just think it's a lot easier and you can get like a lot more organic brand deals that feel good to your audience if you have like that really clear, solid mission statement or niche. said that too, just in terms of a niche. We've had people on our podcast too that are like, will it help you grow? Yeah. Yeah. And you right. all, I think a lot of times people think when they think of a niche, they they feel really boxed in. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be like that. You can find ways to apply yeah. your niche to so many different things. It doesn't mean like if you're a fashion influencer, it doesn't mean you only have to show your outfits of the day. So you know what I mean? You can show right. like ethical fashion or you can show like this is what I would wear to these different events or like right. show your personality. These are outfits that I used to wear that I hate now. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be so boxed in. You can find different ways, but to stay within your niche, you know? Yeah. And this is like why I am using this kind of idea of a mission statement almost like interchangeably with niche because I think it's easier for people to figure out a clear mission statement than it is a niche. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's like, well, if I want to talk about all these different things, they might all fall under your mission statement and help you contribute to that. But then you can't think of one word that explains all of that. And that's where people get tripped up with like, I can't think of a niche. But like, as long as you're staying under the same umbrella of like, this is what you're going to get from me. This is the value that I'm bringing to the table. Do you like it or not? You know, like, I think that's fine. I don't think it has to be one specific word that's like, I am a blank blogger or whatever. That's fair. That's so fair. And I think also having a mission statement like that is going to help you as a creator outside of the brand deals, outside of growing a following. I think it's going to help you create content because it's kind of like your why, right? It keeps you back to why are you doing this? What is your mission? What are you trying to accomplish? It's kind of goes hand in hand where you're not going to, question your content as much yeah when you know why you're doing it yep 100 percent. that was good yeah we love that one boom all right let's go into your third one yeah the next one i got a lot of hate about this one on tiktok (laughs) because i went over some of these on tiktok and it blew up and people are like well what about okay well the (laughs) last this one was we said it's kind of a red flag if you don't have a media kit and people are People on TikTok were like, well, what if a brand 
asks you to send screenshots. And I'm like, well, then obviously send screenshots. If they blatantly ask you to send screenshots, obviously yeah. send what they ask for. <laughs> but a lot of times we're like, we ask for a media kit. So I'm saying if we ask for a media kit and you send me screenshots and said, that's not what I asked for. Right. I asked for a media kit. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just like have one on deck different brands work differently. It's a resume. Like that's all it is. And I don't know why it has to be so difficult. It's not. And it's fun to make it <laughs> people clear. are just like, lazy. <laughs> people, people freaked out over it. Seriously. Like so many comments that were like, well, I've had brands ask for screenshots. I'm like, okay. Okay. Well, if you listen well, to what I said. <laughs> but if you also know that the brand would really appreciate if you took those screenshots and put them into your media kit so that they could yeah. sort yeah, like have Without both on to, deck. Like, look at graph. I mean, graphs all day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like seeing it when it's organized, when it shows me past brand deals that you're going to align with our brand. I like seeing some of the content that maybe you've created. Yeah. I like to see packages. I wouldn't want to see your prices just because I want to gauge whether I think right. we're bringing you value or you're bringing us value. There's so much that can go into a media kit that could be swiped off, right? You know that checklist of is this a good match or a good collaboration? Yeah, that's so true. Because if you're if you're asking, they're kind of two different things. If you're ask if a brand is asking for screenshots of your engagement, they clearly just want to know your engagement. Yeah. But if they're asking for a media kit, like Tara said, they might want to see what packages you offer. They might want to see like what other people you've collaborated with, what your content could look like, things like that, where you're getting a lot more. So you're asking for different things. Right. They almost like want to get to know you a little bit more with a media kit versus just like do your stats yeah. align with what we want from, you know, a partner. Right. And there's free templates in Canva all day long. I was literally just about to say, at this point, <laughs> there is literally no excuse for you to not have a media kit because you can go on Canva for free and create one. Or you can literally go yes. on Etsy and type in media kit template. And there's about yeah. 5,000 of them that are under $10. And all you have to do is drag and drop your own photos in there. So it's... I don't think that you need a media kit for every single partnership and every single email. But yes, of course, right. you have to have one. Like it's it's part of your business. And again, like if you're going to be treating this like a business and wanting to actually make money and become a full-time creator, you have to have your documents that are going to be required for you as a business. <laughs> like it's no different. Right. Exactly. And if you're applying for a job... You give them a resume. Exactly. So you're kind of applying for a job here. Yeah. And we would like to see a resume. And you can have a lot of followers, but I want to know. Exactly. Deeper. Right. Like follower account at this point, I feel like it means something. Of course, it holds some weight, but like that doesn't give you anywhere near all of the information. Not as much as it used to. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't hold as much value as it used to. Exactly. I'll actually skip my third one, go on to my fourth one, because I feel like it's super relevant to what we were just saying. So I think that one of the biggest red flags for creators is when they're spending too much time focusing on growth and not enough time focusing on community or, you know, like building relationships. Like, and this is something I think it's a really hard mindset to like change or get past because it's at the end of the day, like you do tie some sort of value to the follower account. Like it's funny how even in conversation, I notice it. Like if I'm trying to talk about how legitimate someone is, I was like, oh yeah, my friend this, she has 30,000 followers. What You know, like you just say it in passing and you don't even realize that you're like saying it in a way that's like, oh, she has 30,000 followers. So like, you know, she's legit. She's, <laughs> she's legit. She's not like, so I get that it's a hard 
bump to get over with like focusing too much on that number. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's a recipe for disaster because if you are only focusing on growing, growing, growing as quickly as possible, it's so easy for you to lose your community. And at the end of the day, I think most brands at this point, I don't think it was this way. At this point, I think most brands value a highly engaged, smaller community than a really not engaged, huge community. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Your follower count will start to drop off if you're so focused on growth. The following that you already have is going to notice that. They're going to be like, she's not responding to anything. She's not like, Mm -hmm. she's not in our DMs. She's not blah, blah, blah. She doesn't care about us. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't care. I'm going to leave. Exactly. Right. I mean, you have to, at the end of the day, make your community feel welcome and want to be there. And then obviously, when you do go to sell something, I think it's a lot easier for you to actually convert those followers into customers because you spent time with them. Like they're your friends. They're not just another, you know, one of your 100,000 followers. But so many people, I think, here some coaches, you know, saying how I gained 30,000 followers in in 10 days. And and they're like, oh, man, I want to grow. I want to do that. I'm like, cool. If you go viral, you go viral. But I don't think going viral and gaining a bunch of followers should be anyone's goal. Because I think if anything, going viral sometimes hurts you more than it helps you. We talk about this all the time (laughs) going viral. I've had so many videos go viral for myself, for the TJ account, for clients. It's not like all that's cracked up to be A, once you hit a certain amount of views, like the hate comments are inevitable. You're going to get hate comments and they suck. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. They suck to read because you're like, I made this and I thought it was good. And then people are like. And it's always something dumb. They're like, oh, you're, I don't like your nose. You're like, yeah, like, what? (laughs) I made this video where I said it's 2022. These are things we're not doing on social media. And it's been blowing up a little bit. And I took a little jab at boomerangs. But it was my, it was like the last tip, the last one. I said, this is a bonus. I just don't like them. I don't like them. I think they're a little outdated. And they kind of give like, I'm not up to date on social media. Yeah. Oh my God, people are coming for my throat. People are coming for my throat in the comments. They're like, I will never get rid of boomerangs. I'm obsessed with boomerangs. Like, Then don't. That's fine. I'm like, I don't care what you do on social media. I'm just telling you. As a social media agency, and also that yeah. one was just a personal one. But like once you get a certain amount of views, like once you pass that threshold. Yeah, it's inevitable. The hate comments come in and like views are one thing, but they oftentimes don't translate to followers. Or if they do, they fall off. Yep. Like they're not they're not long term. Yeah, they're not engaged followers. They don't yeah. ever go back and look at your page again. <laughs> yeah. And then Audrey always mentions like when you have a video go viral it kind of sucks for your next month's analytics because yeah, it hurts your engagement. Like the drop off. You're always chasing that. And there's so many people on TikTok. I see it every day. And I'm not throwing shade at them. Like they're growing their own account by making these videos. But they're like, this is how I went viral in two weeks. I started at 3,000 followers and now Ugh. I have 200,000. And this is how I did it. Or if you've, been, I've seen some that are like, if you've been on TikTok in th- for three months and you haven't had a viral video yet, <gasps> like, same. This is what you're doing wrong. And I'm like, like, way to make me feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm like, also, yeah. this is such false advertising. Like, right. I get that I get that there's strategy behind this, but like, there's really no timeline. I don't care who you are and I don't care how many accounts you've made blown up. There's no set timeline for social no. media. I mean, especially TikTok. TikTok is so unpredictable that like 
you just absolutely like, I mean, I could have made an account yesterday. The next day I'm at a million followers, but then like I'm working on my account that I've had for two years and I'm at 20,000 followers. So like, yeah. does that mean I'm doing a bad job? And it no? changes <laughs> so rapidly too. I was listening yes. to a podcast the other day that was talking about, they were, it was these two TikTokers and they were talking about the like different waves of TikTokers. And they were like, at the beginning, there was, you know, Charlie and Addison, like that wave. And then the second wave, it was, I was, it was a podcast with Fibula and Lady Efron, if you know who either of them are. I do not. But they were like a, sec- <laughs> a second wave of people. And they were like, now there's like a third wave. But what worked for Addison and Charlie day one and their lip syncing yeah is not working for people now. Like, there's a lot... You know right. what I mean? Like, it's just changing all the time. So you can't put a... Yeah. This was, like, such a tangent, but it's just, like... It's true, something though. I think about a lot. So we need to just <laughs> say it. It's fine. <laughs> I also... This... You made me think about this thing that I just recently did and also kind of about to go off on a tangent, but kind of crazy. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this. So my friend, Carissa, who she has maybe like 160-something thousand on TikTok. And she just grew that, like, it all happened really pretty quickly. And she was over one day, and we were talking about growing on TikTok. And she was like, yeah, I, I found this mentor. And he basically, like, every day he emails me and tells me, like, what I should do differently or what I should post. Or he, like, gives gives her, like, guidelines every day of what she should do in order to keep growing. And so she had a lot of success with him. So then I was like, oh, okay, like I'm going to invest in this too because that sounds amazing. Like I would love for someone to just take that work off my plate and tell me what to do every day. Great. So it was $400, which again, I was like, you know, a lot of other mentorships are way more expensive. So like $400 seems really fair for emailing someone every day. And I should have known then that I should have known. I should have listened to the voice in the back of my head that was like, this is too good to be Jerusalem. And so I did not. I purchased the the $400 program. And this guy is the biggest scammer in the whole entire world. It's honestly unbelievable. I'm. It's crazy because I think all of, I think what he was telling her to do, like she was doing it, but I don't think it was like, I don't think it was because what he was saying to do. I think it was yeah. coincidental that she had this success. Because yeah. he would give me the most general guidelines ever. He would be like, today your videos need to be between five to seven seconds. And I'm like, yeah, why? <laughs> like, are you just literally pulling this out of your ass? Like, and all of the things he would say to me would be super general like that. Or he would tell me to do something that like I just did. He would be like, you need to talk about trends more when all my videos the day before were about trends. And I was like, are you even looking at my page? It's wild because I do think that being so involved as we are. I talk to Tara about this all the time. A lot of things seem like common sense to us, but that stuff might work for someone else who's not not. in the social media space. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, work, quote unquote, teach them. Right. And and I've definitely thought about it that way too. Yeah. It's funny because I see he, I get Facebook ads for this exact program all the time from him. And I read the comments because I'm always curious if everyone else is like, oh my God, he, he sucked, whatever. And everyone in the comments is like, the ones that say they're having good experiences are just like, yeah. you know, 
late forties, like in the mm-hmm. in the photo with like their husband on vacation in a Hawaiian shirt. Like you can just tell they're not. Yeah, it's not again like people who are deep in social media. So I do think that for those people, it's great. But it's just so crazy because he's like, I guarantee, yeah. uh, twenty thousand growth in in this, and I was just like, all right, bet, let's go for four hundred dollars shirt. Obviously, that did not happen. But it's crazy because I think I'm going to like report to PayPal. Yeah, well, if he's that I putting out a guarantee, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you can. Exactly. So I went and Googled it. And because I was like, I, I've got to know if anyone else has had this experience. And other people on Google, there's like Reddit threads Dang. about it. There's like all of these different oh, threads that are like his name, scam. And everyone is saying the exact same thing. So it's so crazy. But I literally can't believe I fell into that trap. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people, honestly, on TikTok that are quote unquote educators that are a little bit scammy as well. You could say that, yeah. I guess, about any educators it's on social media. You know what I mean? Claiming that yeah. they, unless you have, like, that's why it's so important to build like credibility to like explain who you are, explain why you have, like why you're in the position right. to educate on anything. Exactly. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Because again, like, And another red flag, like, as you say that, it reminds me, like, he doesn't, he has a TikTok that got disabled. So, like, he doesn't even have an active TikTok. Like, and now that I think about this, I'm just like, why? Red flag, red flag. Literally so many red (laughs) flags. But, like, it's just, it's crazy, like, because the internet, man, you can really fall for all kinds of stuff. But anyway, tangent (laughs) over, I felt like I had to say that because that was a crazy experience that I had. Anyway, um, what is your fourth red flag? The creator has endorsed several of the same types of products, mm. different meal kits. We see it all the time with different providers as injectors or yeah, it's med spa, whatever. Right. Um, but if they're bouncing around from provider to provider, yeah. I think they're just trying to get free stuff yeah. at that point. So Yeah, there's no loyalty. And your audience will see through it. Like I've seen this before where I'm like, they'll promote like a natural deodorant, right? And they'll say... This is why it's so important to me to use a natural deodorant. Two weeks later, they're promoting like Dove or Secret or something. And I'm like, Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, so everything you just wrote two weeks ago is not true. And your audience is like, well, how much can I trust? It's all fake. (laughs) I don't know. And it's as an influencer, you have to consider. You can't. (laughs) You lose value every time you do that. You know what I mean? Like in terms of longevity, you have to think about the trust that your audience has in you and place that over yeah. the paycheck. Everything. Yeah, everything. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a creator who creates great content, that's awesome. But if you want to be an influencer where you're doing sponsored work, your audience is literally yeah. everything. Like, if you don't have your audience's trust, you have absolutely nothing as an influencer. And every brand is going to not want to work with you because you can't prove that your audience actually trusts anything that you have to say, you know, like that trust is everything. And it's so easy for that trust to be broken. And then you're, then what, you know, like, how do you come back from that? I mean, we write it into agreements. You cannot work with another provider for one year. Right. Like you're committing to this, if it's going to make them look bad, like, cause you're bounced, you're leaving, you were with them and then you're going to someone else. It's like, now you're making it look like you yeah. left us. Right. Kind of. And it's. Yeah. Then people are questioning that. They're like, why did she not do a good job? Oh, well, if yeah. she's not going there anymore, I don't want to go there anymore. It must have yeah. been, you know, something must have happened, you know? Exactly. 
But we shouldn't have to do that because you should really know that like, oh, if I did this brand deal, I should probably not do that same brand deal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think as creators, you should definitely be charging for exclusivity because again, like there definitely are certain situations where I think like, again, if Old Navy wanted to work with me, it's so hard to stay exclusive to a brand like Old Navy where like, you know, you're going to shop 15 other brands that are their competitors. And like, I think something like that, you know, like, yes, you should definitely be charging for exclusivity. And I think those kind of things, it's a little bit easier for you to bounce around. But like, when it's something like, for example, I, in the past year and a half, two years, I've been working with Smile Direct Club. That is like the only dental brand I would ever work with. Because can you imagine if I was like, yeah, I got my aligners here and all of this went really well. And then yeah. this year after I finished my aligners, I'm like, yeah, so Invisalign, da, 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 like all the yeah. people who just spent thousands of dollars on their Smile Direct Club aligners from me are going to be pissed off yeah. when they see that now I'm talking about Invisalign. So like you have to think about like the position you put your audience into, you know, like are you telling them to buy something because you, you know, signed on to an agreement for money and you don't actually like it. And now you want to talk about the thing you actually do like. They already just went and spent their money. And you, you also do, you just look like a sellout. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, people are like, you do. She's not like none of these are her yeah. genuine recommendations. She's just like trying to get the money and leave, which like if that's what you want to do, fine. But know that your audience probably right. won't trust you as much. Yeah. You have a short career. Yeah, honestly, it's really so important. Again, it goes back to that trust of of having your audience's trust fully 100% is is your biggest value as an influencer. And I think when you don't have that, like brands can tell. And it's easy too for a brand to tell because like, you know, they're looking at your ads. And if in, if you're getting comments, if you're getting comments, and in your comments, those comments are not saying anything about like, wow, I want to go try this or wow, like, thanks mm-hmm. for the recommendation. You know, like, it's very easy for them to see that like, okay, no one looks interested in what she has right. to say. Like they're just saying the photo is cute, which like, is that right. even a genuine comment right. to begin with? No. <laughs> I definitely think that these are some things that creators can for sure learn from. My last one, I'll touch on it real quick because we're nearing the end here, but I think it is important to mention. Again, this kind of goes back to us talking about this being like a fair 50-50 partnership between a brand and an influencer, but Sometimes I think creators not knowing their worth is is a red flag. That's a problem because a lot of the times, even from like a brand perspective, if a brand or an agency reached out to a creator and asked, you know, like this big list of work and you say it's $100 or something when the the rate should be a lot higher. I even think that might be a red flag for the brand. Sure, they're going to be like, wow, sick, we can get it for $100. But also they're probably asking themselves Mm -hmm. how much hard work and in dedication and like energy and effort can this person really put into all this content for a hundred dollars right so like I even think from a brand perspective that could be an issue but also from a creator perspective I know when I first started I I was absolutely undervaluing myself because I just was like yeah I thought it was crazy people even wanted to pay me you know like I was just like wow oh my god this is so cool like sure I'll do it for a hundred dollars no problem when I should have been charging $500, $700, $1,000. And that made it so difficult because I would go and spend all this money on props. I would spend all this time and energy on creating the content, on running my page, on logistics and all of these things that 
at the end of the day, after taxes and expenses, like I was losing money because I wasn't valuing myself. So I think making it worth your while is going to go a long way when you're actually trying to build a business where you're making money. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I think price is something that I've been on the influencer side with my daughter and growing her account and helping her create a content yeah. to working with brands and being the one that's like trying to get the creator. So I've seen both sides of it. And when you're underpricing yourself, you're giving the wrong idea. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. I, in my past life, before I was a creator, I used to be a wedding photographer and I got to the point where I really didn't like photographing weddings anymore, but it was kind of when I was transitioning into making this my job. So what I did was my prices for a wedding would be like, you know, $1,500 to $2,000. And so I said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna bump up my rates and like, I'm gonna put it to like $3,500 to $4,000 just because I didn't want to book as many. I ended up booking more weddings than I ever booked before because people were like, oh, she's expensive. It must be like, good, yeah, you know, and I was like, it's the same experience as my $1,500 to $2,000 packages, but like I'm valuing myself so much higher. So people are putting their own, you know, kind of perspective on that of, oh, wow, if it costs this much, it must mean it's this. And so I think it's the same thing with creators. Like if you're valuing your work, then brands are going to expect, you know, like some really good work from you and probably kind of put you on a pedestal thinking like, you know, this is going to blow us out of the water. And hopefully it does. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, exactly. You set the tone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you ladies so much. This was awesome. I hope all of the creators listening are writing down all of these red flags (laughs) and hopefully not doing them anymore. (laughs) Um, All of the information for TJ Creative Agency and Audrey and Tara is in the show notes below so that you guys can check them out. This was so much fun and thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we had a good time. I loved it. Of course. Thank you for having us. Of course. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.